Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you take my ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's honor God today. Uh, follow along as I read. Most of these verses will be on the screen. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus is preaching, and he said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them who ask? I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God Wants Us to Pray. Look at somebody and say, pray. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today, Lord, and I ask you now that you would anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you, God. I pray that you would move by your spirit, Lord. Teach us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants, I like that. They put that a big, they giant font on there. I hope everybody can read that in the back. God wants us to do what? If I came by and I asked every person in the entire building, and I started with Gigi, and I went all the way around to the back to Terry, and I said, do you think God wants us to pray? Everybody would say, yes. More churchy folk would say, oh, amen. Deep church folk, yes, glory, hallelujah, Reverend, he wants us to pray. Then why don't we? That's me listening to the pin drop. Ah, God wants us to pray, amen? Now, we're here every night praying. Every Christian in America and around the world, if they were asked the question, should Christians pray more, should immediately say yes, and I believe most would. But you want to know how to guarantee low attendance in your church? Call a prayer meeting without offering free food. We know we should pray, but we don't. We're trying to rectify that. The, G- Jesus said that, that his father's house should be a house of prayer for all people. And that's what I love about Abundant Life. We used to have a T-shirt. It was long-winded because we put like 90 words on the back of a T-shirt that nobody could read. Um, and it, it said that if, you, if you'd like to see a church where Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians and Presbyterians and, and Lutherans and Charismatics and Super Charismatics and tongue-talking, devil-chasing, Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting folk all go to church together. If you ever want to see a church where red, yellow, black, and white folk go together, if you want to see a church where tongue-talkers and non-tongue-talkers go together, if you want to see a church where people who, who come from different backgrounds economically, um, academically all go together, stop by Abundant Life because we believe the Bible says that in heaven people from every tribe, nation, and tongue shall worship the one who sits upon the throne. And we're just getting a head start on it right here while we live in this earth. But I want us today 
to realize that God wants us to pray. We've got, I told you already, seven opportunities left. We'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock, every night the rest of the week at 7 o'clock praying. And I know you can't come every time the doors are open. And that's why I always say, pray, uh, come if you can and what? And pray for us if you can. Nobody's coming to your house. Um, I appreciate the visitors that are here. Let, let, let me just go ahead and put your mind at ease. We're not collecting information from you today. We're not, we're not asking you for your address. We're not going to come stalk out your house. If, if you're waiting, I wonder if the preacher's coming by this week. No. 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 You know why? Because folk don't like people showing up unannounced at their house at 7 o'clock. I went to a church every Monday night. I, I was teaching in a mega church, and uh, every Monday night, now we had about 4,000 members. Every Monday night, we would go out about 450 of us, and we would, we would knock on people's doors, 7 o'clock. And we would document it so the next crowd of people that went out, if they didn't get saved or join our church, guess what the pastor made us do in the next week? Man, we'd show up, we'd, we'd have the, Tech cards all spread out for visitors. I took this one card to the pastor one time. I said, look at that right there. 7-1, opened the door, talked to us, didn't let us in. 7-8, knocked on the door, no one answered. 7-15, knocked on the door, no one answered. 7-22, knocked on the door, no one answered, heard them walking around inside. It's, it's, it's 7-29. We've been there four weeks in a row. Should we go back? Absolutely. And then we, just, we were just going back, going back. And I'm like, if I'm ever setting a schedule, we're not harassing people five Monday nights in a row. So, but we are glad that you came. And we want you to know that we, we are praying for you. Um, but we're not going to come seek you out if you miss prayer, if you miss church. Come if you can, pray for us if you can't. But the opportunity is here, and it's the last week of our 21 days of fasting, prayer, and consecration. We're seeing miracles happen. We're getting testimonies. We're seeing great things happen. We're seeing people get jobs. We're seeing physical healings. We're seeing people grow spiritually. You've got seven days left to get in on it, and I want to see you show up. Come if you can. Uh, but let's look at our text. In Matthew 7, 7, now Jesus is preaching his most famous sermon. Jesus preached 16 recorded sermons while he was on the earth, and this is by far his most famous, the Sermon on the Mount, which is just short for mountain. And he said in verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So there's three verbs that God is commanding of us in this. We've got to do what? Ask, then what? Seek, and then what? Knock. Ask. Seek and knock. And I thought, okay, sounds easy. Ask and you shall receive, some, some versions say. I'm like, okay, bet that, I'm going to ask. Because the same God that said that said you have not because you ask not. I've been telling you for years, don't get to heaven and realize you could have had a lot more if you'd asked for it. Get to heaven and, and have God say, whew, you wore me out with all that asking. Now, obviously, you can't wear God out because he never gets tired but this ask and it shall be given to you, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been trying to uncover all that there is to that for the last 40, almost one years. Because here's my story. I asked for stuff and I didn't receive. Anybody else that honest in the room? You ever asked for something you didn't get? The rest of y'all are Baptists. 
or Methodist. You know how I know? Because when, pre- when the preacher asks you to raise your hand, not me. I'm Baptist. I don't raise my hands in church. It's okay. You'll be all right. We've, we've all asked. Well, everybody that's prayed for, for a long time has probably asked for something that they didn't receive. So here, here's my thing with the Word of God. And if you know me, you've heard me say this a lot. God's Word always works. I can preach for three hours. But what, what's going to speed it up? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen means I agree, I co-sign on that, or hurry up, we're listening. <laughs> so, God's Word always works if you work it. God's Word is always right. God's Word is always true. But I've told you this before, it just doesn't always work for me. It just doesn't always seem true in my life. Well, what's God's Word say? That uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are what? And how many things became new? How many? You got no old left in you? Every piece of you is brand new. Everything about you has become perfect. You, 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 there's some stuff you're still waiting on. So I'm like, I know it's true, but it just ain't all fully manifesting in me yet. I, I know if I ask, it's going to be given to me. How is it that I've asked and it hasn't been given to me? It's not that God's doing something wrong. It's the same way with our understanding of the word. If you see something in the word that looks counterintuitive, if you see something in God's word that looks contradictory, if you see something in God's word that you think doesn't line up with another passage of scripture in God's word, you need to immediately recognize that there is no mistake, no error, no problem with God's word. The problem rests with our understanding. And when I see a scripture that doesn't work for me, I know that the scripture is right and the scripture works. And if it's not working for me, I must be doing something. Ooh, I just had a flashback. How many people saw happy days when they were younger? How many people remember the five? This is the funniest show on the planet. I'm not saying the show's funny. It's the funniest concept. Only on this one show on television did they make the shortest man in the history of television, this five foot four guy, the coolest guy on the screen. Like the five foot four guy is always the coolest. No, he's not. But I remember one time when the Fonz, hey, he had to say, he had to make an apology, and he had never done it before. Anybody remember what he tried to say? He, he said, I was. I was, he couldn't get the word wrong out of his mouth. Now, I don't think we're that far gone, but I do think we're, we're, we're not quick to admit that we're wrong faster than the Bible is. If you see something the Bible says and it's not working for you, then you're doing something wrong. So guess what you're doing? Now, if that offends you, then just go ahead and be offended because the truth's the truth what? Truth's the truth anyhow. Now, you could be offended when I tell you you're doing something wrong, or you could make a decision to say the Word of God is here to correct me and to instruct me in the ways of righteousness. And I want to learn. See, the Bible says if you correct a foolish person, they will hate you. But if you correct a wise person, they will love you and grow yet wiser. So we're doing some things wrong, and I want us to do some things better. That's why we're talking about more of the right stuff and less of the wrong stuff in 2020. 
23. So I asked and I didn't receive. So I thought, okay, I've got to unpack this. I've got to study this. I've got to look at every verse that goes along with this because I know this is the word of God. And the word says, ask and it shall be given you. That's a fact. Three people. That's a fact. And it doesn't happen often. So it must mean something is not being done right. So I did what I always do. I went to the original language. New Testament is primarily written in what? Old Testament primarily written in what? So, New Testament, I go to which language? I go to Greek, and the Greek word for ask is epiteo, and it means, and you can look this up. Go to Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Look in the Greek dictionary. Go online, look in a Greek dictionary, and this word means ask and ask again beyond the point of begging. Now, does that sound like a one-time issue to you? I've had people say, when I ask them, are you praying about that? No, I gave it to God. I'm like, what? You prayed one, you mean you prayed one time and you just don't like praying about it anymore? No, this, this word ask, if you look at it, it is in a continual sense. It, it, it means to keep doing it. So what happened, you know, when I got saved in 1981, the majority of the church by far only read the King James Version of the Bible. But then these newer versions started coming along, and our pastor told us, I wouldn't trust anything written by a bunch of hippies and dope smokers in the 60s. And I looked, and I saw all the new translations were written in the 60s. I thought, ouch. But then I realized I'm spending half my preaching time explaining 400-year, 500-year-old English to people when I could just read it in a more modern translation. So let's look at verse 7 in a more modern translation in Matthew 7, 7. Same verse, Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Now, ding, 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 the light goes off in my head. Ask and you shall receive. I asked and I didn't receive. Is God wrong? No. I was missing something. I was missing the continual tense of the verb ask, which is so clearly seen in what Jesus says in this version, keep on asking. Okay, I've told you forever, uh, pay attention to what when you read the Bible? Pay attention to the punctuation. It's there to perfect your understanding. You'll comprehend more if you pause on punctuation and try to digest each verse in small phrases so you get it down in your spirit and you understand what's being said. Now, when Jesus said, keep on asking, comma, that comma is cause for pause. That's stop and think about it. How long should we keep on asking? Keep on. Just keep on. Keep on doing what? Keep on keeping on. You got to keep on asking. This is the command. If you've ever asked God for something, and you didn't receive it, but it's still in your spirit that you want it, keep asking for it. We'll look at that in a minute, but Jesus said, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. So I'm not looking for you to shout me down today. I just want you to get the truth, but is anybody out there asking for something they want to receive? Is anybody seeking something they want to find? Is anybody knocking on a door that they want open? Look at yourself and say, keep doing it. You got to keep doing these things because once is not enough. In verse 8, sometimes it is, mostly it's not. In verse 8, Jesus said, for everyone. Oh, how many people? 
everyone who asks. There's a comma there because that's just mind-numbing. Because you ought to be thinking, well, everyone but me. You know you've asked for stuff, you didn't get it. And, and Jesus says, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, you've got to have um, a, little, a little bit of faith to see what Jesus is saying here. Everyone who asks right will receive. Everyone who does what he says is asking. How many of y'all know some of y'all? Everybody right now hears the volume, the accent, the tone of my voice, but everyone's not hearing me. See, you, you hear the noise, but everyone's not hearing what I'm saying. You ask your way, but if you're not getting it, it may well be because you're not asking right. You seek your way, but if you're not finding it, it may be because you're not seeking right. You, you, you want some doors to open, but you just may not be knocking right. Because he said everyone who asks receives. So there's got to be some qualifiers to this. There's got to be more than just, hey, God, how about a million dollars in the bank? Thanks. What's up? Doesn't work like that. Uh, not in my experience. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 9, you parents. See, Jesus is using this teaching style that we've examined a lot at Abundant Life uh, that theologians call first natural, then spiritual. Jesus would talk to farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truths. Jesus would talk to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand spiritual truths. Jesus would talk to parents in natural terminology to get them to understand God. And he said, if you parents, if your children ask a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? What's the right answer? Because this is a what type of question? Rhetorical. We've talked about rhetorical questions. The answer is implied. God expects you to know the answer. It's like when your mama says, boy, do you want me to knock your head all the way off your shoulders? Don't say yes. She's not asking for a yes or a no. She's looking for agreement that you don't want her to knock your head all the way off your shoulders. And, and, and God wants us to understand uh, how he is, so he uses this, look at it in the natural so you can see it in the spiritual. It's like when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I go back into my mother's womb? And he said, boy, if you can't understand these things in the natural, you're never going to get them in the spirit realm. And we've got to understand, Jesus is saying about parents, the kids, how many of y'all know kids ask parents for stuff? Mm, if, they're, if you raise them in, in, in the spirit of God, they ask for a lot of stuff, and sometimes you just have to tell them, no, stop asking. Then he said in verse 10, or if you ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Hear, hear this and don't miss it. Good parents want to give good children good stuff. Are you following me? Bad parents give bad children good stuff. Uh-huh. That's bad. If you're a good parent, you give good things to good children. Bad children get what's coming to them. And that's a different message for a different crowd. Come back next week, maybe we'll, we'll get on that. But he's saying, you, you want this? You want to bless your kids? Verse 11 He said, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask them? Ask him. Okay, so here's what I want you to see. And I really think for the average parent, you have to go back to when your child was two. Or maybe one. Maybe four or five. I'm talking about before you got frustrated with them. I'm talking about before you cussed them out and told them one more time and they're out the door. I'm talking about before they stole from you, lied right to your face. I'm talking about before they did stuff that they thought was behind your back, but you knew it the whole time. I'm talking about when they were little kids and you still loved them. I mean, when, but, but you know what I'm saying. I love all my, okay, holiness. I love it. Think about when they were the apple of your eye. Think about when, when you heard them say, Mommy, you're so pretty that they just meant it and you loved them for saying it. Because now when they say that at 16, 17 years old, you already know what's up, right? It's a scandal. It's a scam. They're working you. It's a con. Dad, you're so smart. You just know how to fix everything. What do you want, boy? (laughs) We want to bless our kids. Think about when, when your kids were, I mean, just really, you were just over the moon just because you had them. And you're just like, look at them, look at them, smell them. They're just, I love them. Love, yeah, I, grandmothers, they say, I could just eat them up. Kind of weird cannibal TV shows you've been watching. But this is the type of love God is talking about. God loves us so much, he wants to do good stuff for his kids. I need you to realize this today, though. If you want to move forward in the spirit realm, God is a better parent and he loves, if you're his child, he loves you more than you ever loved any of your children. He wants to do more for you than you even wanted to do for your kids. Think about how much you want your kids to, how many parents in the room want their kids to have a good life? Happy, healthy life, successful life, go to heaven when they die, be blessed by God, to have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a prayer language, and a life that glorifies God all the day. See, this is what we want. God wants better for you than you want for your own kids. And I think the average Christian gets stuck on that, and they don't keep that in the forefront of their mind. I'm going to tell you something. I I didn't have a a father in my life to raise me. My parents got divorced when I was young, and, and I didn't have that. But if I had a really, really, really rich, famous, powerful dad, I'm that one. I'd have been like, hey, dad, how about that new I-8? You know, BMW's kicking that off. 4.20 to 60, it's a runner. That's what I would have done. I didn't have a rich dad. Uh, Seth's dad's got some money. Uh, My son drives a 2007 Camry. I tried to buy him a, brand, uh, a new car five different times. I'm like, hey, why don't, we go get you a, why don't we go get you a new car? He's like, I like the Camry, Dad. I'm like, that Camry passed down from your, your nanny to your brother, now to you. Uh, I brought your brother a new car his senior year. Let me go get you one. Nope, I like the Camry. Uh, I went and got the new car. Different strokes for different folks, but I need you to understand God wants to bless you if you're blessable here's the problem and we get it all the time we get it all the time people come by the church they want us to pay their phone bill they want us to pay their light bill they want us to give them rent money they want us to help them buy some food and it doesn't matter how much we help there's no end to it and as soon as we don't help we're the devil and they go to the next spot And I typically ask them the same thing. Well, where do you actively 
attend church? And what ministry do you serve in at the church you attend? And what is your pastor's name? Because I'd like to call him and let him know, Pastor so-and-so, one of your great, wonderful, fantastic, committed, loyal uh, church members is down here at Abundant Life asking us for money. And they're like, oh, well, I don't go to church. Wouldn't it be easy? And I always ask, wouldn't it be easier if you had a close relationship to a church when you came up on hard times? And, 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 and you were there 99% of the time. You were helping other people, and the 1% you needed it, we just gladly gave to you. See, God wants to bless people, but you got to be blessable. And that's why I tell you all the time, get under the spout where the glory comes out. Stop playing with the world. Get the stink and the stench of the world off of you. Get cleaned up. Be a, a tool in the master's hand fit for his use because he wants to give good gifts to those who ask him, but you got to be under the right level of blessing. And here's the truth. He said he would give good gifts to those who do what? Ask. Ask is another word for pray. Now, some people don't pray a lot. I get that. And they're not, they don't have what they would consider an effective prayer life, and many Christians don't. But you've got to learn how to pray even when you don't feel like praying. You've got to learn how to ask. See, people think prayer is some big, scary thing. Prayer is talking to God. You walk up to a stranger and ask them a question. You walk up to, to a stranger and, 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 and strike up a conversation. You get in line at a concession stand. Uh, Elder Jim and I, we love baseball. You get in line at a concession stand, three Cubs fans in front of you, uh, you're in Atlanta. You got your Cubs gear on. Pretty good chance you might strike up a conversation with hot dog boy in front of you. Yeah, because there's a commonality there. We need to learn how to talk to God like we know him, like we've got some things in common, like he's our father and we're his children. Prayer should not be something to be scared of. It's just talking to God. I, I, I've got five words I want you to say after I say them. It's going to be easy. You can do it. God wants us to pray. All right. All right. Say it again. God wants us to pray. It's true. And you got to get it in your mind. God wants us to pray. He allows us to pray. We have the privilege of entering boldly into his throne so we can get grace and find mercy to help in our time of need. His, he, he's a strong tower that we can run to him and find safety. He's our buckler, our shield, our defense. He's, he's a battle axe. He's shelf. He's all these things that we say, but not if we're outside of the blessings of God. He, 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 he's not blessing our mess. He's leaving us in the pig pen, just like the prodigal son was left in the pig pen. He's not leaving the front porch. You left God on the front porch, guess where you can find him? On the front porch again. We, we, we've got to begin to do what God commands us to do because the Bible says that you're blessed in your deed, and I want us to start following the Word of God and doing it. So let me share four things with you before we go. Number one, keep on asking. Say, keep on asking. We've already seen in verse 7, Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Now, okay, so keep on asking. I told you that's continual. I, I told you you got to keep doing it. Keep on keeping on. But if you read the Bible, you're going to find out that's not the only instruction 
about how to get your prayers properly answered. The, the Bible says that you have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. You can't doubt. You got to stand on what you believe. When you ask God, you got to ask in faith. Now, can you really ask God in faith? I mean, I don't really, I don't even, I hate to even use Elder Jimmy in this example. Elder Jimmy can't by faith ask God for a new wife. Can he, Nancy? Nancy's like, where? <laughs> that wouldn't be by faith, would it? That'd be sin and degradation. That, that'd be, and, and, some, and some, you know, she might stab you. I'm just letting you know, she might. Um, but there's certain stuff. I had somebody quit the church, and they, they called people in the church, and they told them, Pastor Scott said you don't supposed to pray about everything. So uh, let me say it again for those in the back who didn't hear me clearly the first time. You don't supposed to pray about everything. How dare you? Uh, do you think you need to pray about whether or not you should rob the bank to get your rent money? No, because God said, thou shalt not steal. Do you think you need to pray about whether or not you should get drunk and drive your car and kill a bus stop full of children? No, because God said, don't be drunk and don't kill. And obey the laws of the land. There's just certain things that, that we've got to understand. I, I got to pray inside what God wants me to pray about. That's when we say pray in Jesus' name. Now, see, we've misconstrued that. We've conflated all the things we want with this being told to pray in Jesus' name. So what we do is we blah, 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 And then we rubber stamp in Jesus' name. And, you know, the Holy Ghost preachers, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, you had to say it like that. It's not a rubber stamp that validates your selfish or your unbiblical prayers. When the Bible says that you must pray in Jesus' name, it's indicating that you have to pray something Jesus would pray for, something Jesus would want, something that God wants to see happen in heaven and establish it on the earth. you got to pray something Jesus would co-sign on if he was standing next to you. And I know you're not praying that prayer she wanted to hit you for, but don't. And don't pray anything else that you can't stand by faith on and that Jesus wouldn't pray for you. you got to ask in faith. It's got to be in Jesus' name. But keep on asking. Number two, tell God what you want. Say, tell God what you want. This is incredible. This is incredible. We live in the day of wokeism. We live in the day where HR departments work harder than the employees for the company because HR is trying to keep everybody happy. And you got to make sure you got the EEO. You got to make sure you got everybody's doors open. You got to have the DEI. You got to have all these different people catering to everybody's feelings because we want everybody to be happy. We want to make sure. And, and so here's what we've got. We've got all these bosses now who have been told by the higher-ups you have to have an open-door policy for your people. You have to let your people's voice be heard, especially for these millennials. Y'all don't even want to get me on millennials. I had to rant to my sister today, try to get all the millennial yuck out of my mouth. I kept her in my office, and y'all went here singing. I was ranting on millennials so I could skip half of it in here. <laughs> baby boomers, my generation. I'm 59 years old. I am the second youngest baby boomer age in the world. The year after me was the last of them. So if you're 58, if you're younger than 58, you missed it. But uh, baby boomers, when they're surveyed, what 
is the biggest thing you want? What's the one thing, the most important thing you want from your job? Guess what everybody my age and older said? A check. Want my money. Get me my money right, and I'll keep showing up. Yeah? Millennials surveyed every time in north, south, east, west, no matter what their level of education is. Uh, And these people are professional students. They just stay in college because they can't get a job. But they have been, they, they always say the same thing. We want our voice to be heard. We think that young people should have a seat at every board of directors meeting because those people have lost sight of what we care about. Do you really think that that 60-year-old person who started that company wants to hear, you've been here three days, you're 20 years old, and you you got opinions about how they should run their company. They don't want to hear that. But because the wokeism cancel culture, we, we have forced every boss, every manager, every supervisor to have an open-door policy and let all their employees know, you can come and, and talk to me about any. Do you think they really mean that? No, they've been told by their boss. Listen to They don't care what you Put it in the suggestion box. I'll get to it. <laughs> they're not studying you. You tell the white people over here. That, that means they're not paying attention to what you're saying. They're not giving long thought to your, 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 the purpose of your questionnaire. He's studying you. They don't really care about your, having an open. They say that, but let me tell you, God is not like them. That's why the ancients call him holy other. He's completely different than anything you've ever experienced before. When God says his door is open to you, he means it. How crazy is it that the only true God there is says that we can come and talk to him and we're like, ah, NCIS Miami's on. How's that any different than NCIS, NCIS New Orleans? I don't even know if it's the same people. I just know people talk about it, or they used to when I was watching TV. But people... Push God out for everything. Well, I'll talk to him after I get done cleaning the dishes. If God puts in your heart to go talk to him, stop eating and go, go, go get on your knees next to your bed or wherever you pray and talk to him. we got to begin to take this prayer thing seriously. It's not just that we, that we have to pray. We're allowed to pray. We're allowed to have a conversation with the true and living God, creator of all that there is, the, the, the divine authority of the world And we need to tell him what we want. In Philippians 4, 6, the end of that verse says, let your requests be made known to God. He wants to hear from you. Now, be ready if your requests are whack. That's a no right off the rip. Dear God, help me to not get caught cheating on my test tomorrow in school. That's a no. That's not by faith. That's not in Jesus' name. that's, That's not in the will of God. But we, we've, we've got to tell God what we want. Because the same God that said you have not because you ask not said you can ask. Oh, I wish I, I wish I had a report card right now of every person in the room. I'd love to see what's the one thing you've asked the most for this week. What's the one thing you've asked the most for this week? What's the one thing you've asked the most for this week? What's the one thing? I know what's the one thing you asked the most for this week. What's the, and 
over, over. See, people, people that pray all the time share prayer requests, and I know what they're praying for, but what is it that you're asking God for? We've all seen it. The, if, if you rub the lamp and the genie pops out, he's going to give you how many wishes? Smarty smart always wants what? More wishes. God's not a genie in a lamp, and he's not, a, he's not offering you three wishes. But if God showed up right now and said, what is it that you want from me? Would you be able to tell him the same thing I've been asking for? Uh, 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 Deacon Ken shared with us in our, in our prayer meeting before church this morning um, that he prayed for his brother for how long? For 40 years faithfully to be delivered from alcohol, and his brother's now been clean for how long? Come on and give God praise for that. <laughs> Praying for 40 years. Anybody understand? That's keep on asking. But he was asking something that's in God's will. We already know. Did, did God want his brother being a drunk? No, he did not. Did God want to show himself strong and deliver that man? Absolutely. But God said to tell me what you want. I'm t- I promise you this. If I, if I pulled out all the money I got in my left pocket right now, I said you can have it all right now if you ask me where I bought these sweet Timberlands from. See, see she's been around for a long time. How long you been in the church? You've been here for 17 years. She's been through this story before. Yeah, I can always tell. Kiko's like, really? I, 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 I should always remember how long Stacy's family's been in the church because Kiko was a, a, a little preemie in uh, incubator when we first started praying for that family. So 17, just turned 17 Friday, last week. Ah. Uh, Getting old. Um, you're, you're, you're not supposed to be talking to what type of people? Who's nasty and you're supposed to stay away from them? All right, let's keep it, let's keep it holy in the house of God. <laughs> Known this girl her whole life. Boys are nasty. And, and, they, and, and they all lie. To, all teenage boys lie to teenage girls. You don't have time for that. Trying to, trying to have a life. God says you can tell him what you want. It's just incredible that he would allow that. I wonder, are you doing it? If I had the time, I'd go around the whole room right now and I'd find out. But we don't have the time or the honesty, so I just want you to think about it in your mind. Third thing, pray and never give up. Say, never give up. In Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. How long should we pray? When should we give up? You need to get this in your mind. You don't need to just hear it, quote it, dismiss it, because this, this, this mind-numbing foolishness that's sweeping through the body of Christ for the last 30 years, I declare and I decree health, wealth for me. That don't work. And a bunch of poor people saying that. I declare and I decree no more sickness ever for me. <coughs> Come on now. There's more to it than just saying it. You got to apply these things to your life. You got to get to the place where you remember what the word says so you can do what the word says because you're blessed in your doing. And God said, always pray, never give up. 
Always pray, never get up. Next time you do it sorting laundry, just start saying in your head, always pray and never give up. Next time you're washing dishes, just tell yourself, always pray and never give up. And then start praying. This is the command of God. Now, here's what happens to people who spend a long time praying. And I'm sure there were times in Deacon Ken's life where over 40 years where this happened in his life. I know there are times if you've been praying for something for a long time, this has happened in your life, or it will if you ever start taking prayer seriously. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. If you ever prayed long enough to where you get an answered prayer, that's a hallelujah shout time. That's a wow. And that should happen often. I, I, I don't want to even embarrass you, but if I went around the room and said, tell the whole church the last real, for sure, prayer that God answered, and you're, you ought to have 10. Cheryl's like, I got 15 going right now, preacher. Uh, and I know she does because come Wednesday night when we have uh, praise reports, and, and, and your mind will be blown away with what God's doing throughout the earth, but there's too many people not getting prayers answered. But if you ever start praying and you pray for a long time, I'm just letting you know. If you want to see something happen and it hasn't happened, it, 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 can, it can make your heart sick. That's depression. Do you realize we're the most depressed generation in the history of the world right now? And this is across all cohorts. This, this goes back to uh, the, 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 the silent generation, the great generation, the baby boomer, the baby buster, Gen X, Gen Y, which are millennials, Gen Z, which are Zoomers, and now the little kids, which are uh, Generation Alpha. It goes across all spectrums of life, medication being given out for depression. Why? Because people are depressed. Why? Because they have lost hope. And if you start praying for the same thing over and over and you don't see it happen, there's a possibility that heart sickness, that depression could step in. But you just need to stand on the promise of God and say, it doesn't matter how I feel in my heart. It matters what God says, and I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing God to save, heal, and deliver. So pray and never give up. Last thing, and I'm done. Devote yourself to prayer. Say devote. Oh, that's a big word. Devote yourself to prayer. It takes effort. Say effort. People don't like that. People don't like that. That's why it was so easy uh, over the last 40 years. And and we used to do it. When we started this church 21 years ago, almost 22 years ago, uh, we, we used to slob oil on everybody at the end of every service. We had the whole church come up. I just grease them up, lay them out, grease them up. Lay, people bouncing on the floor, flopping like fish, uh, and, and people would come. So, but then when I realized, didn't you come last week to be delivered from alcohol? Didn't you come last week to be delivered from cigarettes? Didn't you come last week to stop hating your husband? Well, what's up? And I realized here's what people want. Pray for me, preacher, when they don't pray for themselves. Here's what people want. Say some magic words over me, Pastor Scott, so everything just falls into place, and I don't have to put any effort into it. Here's a newsflash for you. Extra, extra. Read all about it. God is looking for us to do some stuff. God is looking for us to pray. In Colossians 4, 2, this is the word of God. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, you don't have to come up here and pray with us every night of the week, but guess what we will be doing tonight 
at 6 o'clock. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And I want this to sweep through our church because here's the reality. Prayer is not easy. Prayer is not easy. Prayer, the devil would rather you do almost anything than pray. And if you ever really start praying, you're going to find out. Everything wars against your life to pray. So some people would be like, well, I'll just skip the prayer and I'll skip the war. Well, if you want to be a spiritual coward, then, you know, that might work for you. But God, God's not going to bless you for disobeying him. And all God's true champions want to be on the front line. And some of that comes with warfare. And that's why you have to, you just can't say, I think I'll try prayer. I think I'll, 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 I'll try uh, talking to God more. Uh, no, you've got to devote yourself to this. This ain't an in and out thing. Hebrews eleven six. last scripture I'm going to give you, says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I've preached this verse probably more than any verse in the whole Bible uh, in my lifetime. And I believe most of us have part A down pat. Two parts. Without faith it's impossible to please him. That's all offset by a comma. That stands by itself. Faith pleases God. You can't please him without faith, but then he sets this criteria. He says, for he who comes to God must believe that God is. That's the easy part. Everybody believes that God is. Even atheists believe that God is. They're just, they're just a contradiction unto themselves. Um, they, 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 they're just mad at God, so they want to act like he doesn't exist. But So we, we've got that down. We believe that God is, but it's the second part. Because when we see in the Bible the word and, what's that mean? There's more. There's more to this verse. There's more to this criteria. If you want to please God, you got to believe that he is. Done. Got that. Good on that level. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, how many people honestly believe that if you eat a, a balanced diet through the food pyramid and you expel more calories than you take in and you, you work out hard every week, that you'll have better internal health and pr- probably lose a little bit of weight. Look at all these fat people with hands up. <laughs> Pastor, you shouldn't call people fat. You, you want me to say thick? <laughs> Big bone did it. I'm morbidly obese. If anybody, my doctor told me I was morbidly obese. I'm supposed to weigh 170 pounds. I weigh 228 pounds. If you're 30 pounds overweight, you're obese. If you're 50 pounds overweight, you're morbidly obese. I am, what, 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 what's 170 to 238? 68 pounds. Hey, if anybody knows about being fat, it's me. But here's what's the deal. I know if I ate less, I'd lose weight. I know if I just go for a walk at night, I'd, I'd lose weight. I know if I didn't drink four liters of Dr. Pepper every day, I'd lose weight. Is it working for me? Do like this. No, chubby boy. It's not working for you. No. Why? Because I'm not diligent about it. How many of y'all know if you went with Elder Keon to the gym for the next three months, your body would transform? Of course it would. But you're not about to dig into that. I just want to see how I, I did it. I escaped it. Oh, because Planet Fitness was just bombing commercials out. This week only, last day. 
extended for two more days. No contract, no down payment, $10 a month, quit any time. How many people avoided so far all, all of, almost all of January without joining a gym that you ain't? I'm proud. I didn't join no gym in January. All my gym friends are like, well, I wish the rest of them hadn't. It's okay. It's almost February. They'll be quit by then. Why? Because they're not diligent about it. And the people that get the rewards are diligent. The Bible says that God's promises are yes and amen, and all God's promises are to those who endure. you got to go through some stuff to get the goody, and most people won't. Why, why don't you believe God's word? You, you, believe, you say you believe that God's going to take your dead body and put it up into heaven one day or your living body and put it up to heaven. You say you believe if you exploded in, in a nuclear war that God will still be able to resurrect you up into heaven. How can you believe that but not believe when he says if you'll just seek him diligently, he'll bless you. He'll reward you. Because the reality is we all want to be rewarded by God. And there's something that you need. Maybe if God saved your child, that would be the reward you're looking for. Maybe, I don't know what it is that you're asking God for, but I can tell you this. God's word is true. God is not a man. He cannot lie. And he said he will reward you if you diligently seek him. So here's what we're going to do. Instead of me preaching for another 40 minutes, we're going to seek the Lord right now. We're going to seek God. I, I, come on, Victor. Uh, let, let, let me get some elders uh, up front. Let me, let me get... Uh, Dina Mills up front. Here's what we're going to do. Whatever you believe in God for, maybe you haven't even started believing God for something that you need to be believing Him for, but I want you to pray about something. God said to keep asking. I want you to ask for something right now. God said that that we we need to be diligent about this. I want you to pray. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of invitation, and if you're here, and uh, scoot down this way, Jim. If you're here and you're unsaved. The, the, the Bible said that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and you don't have to go to hell. God said that if you'd call on his name, he would save you. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. If you're here and you're not saved, uh, each one of these people have been trained in how to lead you to Christ. And if you're here and you want to give your life to Christ today, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about rededicating your life. I'm talking... About, I'm not talking about going back to what you had. I'm talking about getting a real salvation. I want you to come, and I want you to have one of these Christian men or women pray for you. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but, but can I come and just let somebody agree? With you? Absolutely. If you want somebody to pray with you, these people are here to pray with you. But you can, if you're here and you're saved, you can pray where you are. You, you, you can pray standing, you can pray sitting, you can come to this altar and pray. But right now, what I want to ask everybody to do, if you're physically able, I, I want you to stand to your feet and let's begin to seek God diligently. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your spirit. And I ask you right now by your spirit to do what only you can do. God, you said no one can come unless you draw them, God. So I pray right now you would draw people to faith in you through your son. And God, I pray for every Christian in the room, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit and create in us an urgency to seek you diligently. God, we turn to you now as our only source of hope, our only supply, and we ask you, God, to save, heal, and deliver in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Here's what I want you to do. You pray where you're standing. You come to this altar and pray. You can have one of these Christians pray with you. But if you're here and you call yourself a Christian, I want you right now to start asking God for something big. What's the, what's the number one thing you need God to do in your life right now? Ask Him. If you've asked Him before, good. Keep asking Him again right now. If you call yourself saved, your eyes ought to be closed. You ought to be praying talking to God right now. If, if you're here and you're not saved, come, come, come down here and let one of these leaders pray with you to get saved. Whatever God lays on your heart to do, the altar is open. Some are coming already. You do whatever you believe. God, if you want to sit and pray where you are, if you want to pray on this altar, you want to stand and pray, whatever God puts on your heart to do, don't let this time be wasted. God wants to step into your situation. You've been believing for something better in 2023, and you haven't got on the good foot yet. Let's get on the good foot today and do what God has commanded us to do. While Christians all around the room are praying, you do what God tells you to do. Let's talk to him right now. Ask him. Let your requests be made known. Ask him for something amazing.
thoughts right now. Just talk to God like you know him. He said he'll bless you if you'll seek him. He'll reward you. I want you to have the reward of God on your life. I told you, we live on five realms on this planet. We, 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 we got to get our spiritual life right. We got to get our emotional life right. We got to get our financial life right. We got to get our relational life right. We got to get our physical life right. Whatever area you need God to touch you in today, he's here. He's here. And he's listening. He's listening. He's listening. Are you talking? Are you asking? Are you a praying person? He said when you pray, not if you pray. Ask him for that thing that you need from him. He's an on time God. He's a right now God. The Bible says he's Jehovah Shema. He's the very present God. The ancients said he's the God who's right there in your face in every direction you turn. God, we thank you for this divine honor and privilege to speak to you, sir. You're high, you're exalted, you're perfect, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're great, and we are not. But thank you, God, for accepting us into your family and allowing us the privilege of prayer. God, I pray that you would begin to create in us a greater urgency to speak to you, to talk to you to ask you as you've commanded us. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you be glorified in all we do and all we say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.